Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. All right, last week, you know, we've been in this vision series, and last week we asked this question, what is Saints Hill Church? What is Saints Hill Church supposed to be? And we came to a few conclusions. Uh, By the way, if you didn't listen to last week's message, I I rarely do this. I'm asking you to go to the podcast, listen to last week's message. I think it was foundational for us as a church, who we are and where we're going. So please uh, check check it out. Um, But but we came to this conclusion that, that the church is designed to be the house of God. Everybody would say, yeah, amen. The church is designed to be the house of God, but what is, what is the house of God? Well, it's defined in Genesis chapter 28 when Jacob is on his little soul-searching journey. He lays his head upon the stone that is Christ, and what does he see? He sees reality, angels descending and ascending between heaven and earth, and he says, surely this is the house of God. What is the house of God? The gate between heaven and earth. What is the church? The church is the house of God. What is the house of God? It's the gateway between God's reality and our present reality. Now, uh, the Lord also gave me this image. Next slide. This is an image of a, I found a little bit of a nicer looking scene than the one I showed you last week. So uh, this is an image of of one of those garden balls that um, it's like a stone with water coming up out of the top of it and flowing down the sides. And and this was an image that God gave me as I was asking over the past couple weeks, what is St. Sil supposed to be? Boom. St. Sil is designed to be the rock, the house, that water leaks out of. How many of you guys understand that in Ezekiel, when the glory of God re-enters the temple, it says, the one whose voice sounds like rushing waters comes back into the temple, and next thing you know, you get Ezekiel 47, water begins to leak out of the temple. God's design for his church and for St. Sil is to fill this place with his fullness so that water begins to, and continually leaks out. His presence continually touches those whoever, who you touch. So the church is a spiritual house with a leak of God's presence. And this culminated into what I believe is a new job description that is kind of being slid across the table to us as a church. It's the job of temple ministry. And once again, we just did it. It's praise, it's worship. You know, I think of... Um, of what David says in the Psalms. He says, may my prayer like incense rise before you. What is that referring to? That's referring to the job of the priests, to never let the fire go out. My, may my prayer like incense rise before you, the lifting of my hands. Why do we lift our hands? May it be to you like, a, like an evening sacrifice, referencing to the priests as well. So God's sliding across this new job description. He's saying, I want you to have a priority in your life as a church. Your priority, there's other things that'll be important, but your priority is temple ministry. It's worship, it's praise, it's a hosting of God's presence. Imagine if God were to walk into this room, how would we make him comfortable? How would we give him what delights his heart? And we believe, this is my belief anyways, that a church that does that recognizes that heaven is open. Everybody say, heaven is open. Heaven is open. open above their area of spiritual responsibility, 
and they end up blessing all in their vicinity with the presence of the creator. The greatest gift that you can give Newberg is not an organized ministry. It is the presence of God. The greatest gift you can give your roommate is not money or even quality time. The greatest gift you can give them is that you would host God's presence in your dorm room to such a degree that they get access without paying the price that you paid. That's what a priest does. So I want to give kind of a part two. I'm like going to preach last week's message. I got to move on to this week's. I want to give a part two uh, to this message today. And I want to ask this question. What does it mean to be a part of Saints Hill Church? If that's what Saints Hill Church is, what does it mean to be a part of Saints Hill Church? So look down at your Bibles, uh, Ephesians chapter three, and let's start in uh, verse 10. It says that, uh, and let's all stand for the reading of, of scripture. Let's stand together and let's read this. Ephesians 3 verse 10, it says this, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Wow. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I'm gonna read that one more time. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and grab a seat. So, we're going to get into this text in just a minute, but what does it mean to be a part of St. Sill? Well, to answer that, I want to start with what does God want for all people? What does God want for all people across the board? Well, we get a little bit of insight in this in Numbers chapter 6. In Numbers chapter 6, the priests of Israel are given a specific task by God, and it is to bless the Israelites. So God has a job for the priests, and he's like, I want you to bless people. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, the priests, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, this is what God is saying. He's like, I want you to say this to people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Let's just leave that up there for just a moment. I simply want you to see this. There's so much in here, but I want you to see this. This is God's intention 
He wants to make his face shine on you. God wants one thing for all people, and it is that his face would shine upon them. When God designates his priests, he gives them the job of blessing in this specific way. Say to them, may God's face shine on you. Maybe just turn to your neighbor and say, may God's face shine on you. Look at that. A church, a church of priests. So, so what does God want for all people? Here's what God wants for all people. God wants face-to-face connection with each person. Face-to-face connection. That's the right response. Face, face-to-face connection with each person. But let me ask you this question. What does that mean? You know, the scripture says that God is spirit. So what is God's face? If God is spirit, what is God's face? Well, it's God's attention. It's his attention and it's his filling. So here's, look, look what God tells Ezekiel. I will no longer hide my face from them. Everybody say face. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. What I want you to see is that God connects his face with his spirit. In other words, to hide his face from people would be to withhold his spirit from them. But it says here, I will no longer hide my face, for I will pour out my spirit. His face is connected to his spirit. And and what I'm trying to get at is this. God intends to fill you, how? With a look. God intends to fill you with a look. It's why face-to-face matters. Here's the goal of God. That that filling from a look would then in your life increase the knowledge of his glory. Here's what he says uh, to Habakkuk. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the, of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is a prophecy about uh, the coming of the new covenant. What happens in the new covenant? Well, the earth gets filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You're like, as the waters cover the sea, I thought the waters were the sea. Yes, exactly. That's what it means to know. That's what it means to know. To understand his glory is to to be unified with it, like water and sea. Now, what's glory? What's glory? Well, the Hebrew idea of glory is uh, the idea of weight. Uh, The word in Hebrew is kavod. Can you say that with me? Kavod. And it's this idea of substance. It's, it's when, when, when the glory of the Lord is spoken about, it's speaking about the, the reality of his presence. It's the weight of his presence. It's his substance. God's glory, maybe write this down. God's glory is him fully experienced. God's glory is him fully experienced in your life. I remember one time I was... Um, I was getting my hair cut by this extraordinarily strange barber. He used to be in town. And if you ever went to this guy, you know exactly who I'm talking about. He's not in town anymore. Uh, He he went somewhere else, but it was the strangest haircut I've ever had. And he was talking to me, I kid you not, while he was cutting my hair about intimacy. Not sexual intimacy, but just being intimate, you know, and knowing somebody. And he said, there's a difference between you looking at me in the mirror. He said, look at me in the eyes in the mirror. This is, this is a haircut, guys. This is my first, I don't know this guy. This is my first haircut. He's like, look in my eyes in the mirror. 
So I look him, at him in the mirror. He goes, he goes, this is different than this. And he turns my chair around and he looks me in the eyes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know you. We got, I'm intimate with my barber. I, I don't. Anyways, uh, I never went back, but <laughs> there's a difference between hearing about God through someone else and seeing him face to face. There's a difference between, you know, watching some worship set on YouTube and you personally getting on your knees and saying, give me what Moses got. The glory of the Lord, when you experience it, it is all the attributes of God coming into your sensory awareness. God made all of your senses. He intends to be found by each of them. God actually wants to encounter all of you. And I don't know about you, maybe you've experienced this. I actually, we just experienced it in pre-gathering prayer today. It was very powerful. Uh, when, the, when the glory of the Lord comes into a space, it's, it's overwhelming, but it's not stressful. Some things are, that are, some, most things in life, when they're overwhelming, you're trying to like figure it all out. No, the glory of the Lord comes in. You're like, this is so overwhelming. You just submit to it. Have you experienced that before? Have you ever felt it's like so much peace that it is heavy? It's like, I can't, I'm not moving. I'm not moving until this lifts. I'm staying right here. Just stuck. Like, like a, like a, all I can think of is like Jurassic Park, the bug in amber. It's just, I'm stuck in his goodness. This is God's intention for every person. In fact, it says in, in Isaiah chapter 40 that all people were created for his glory. It could be read. You could read that and you could think, oh, like somehow I give God glory by my existence. I think that's true. But I think he was making a deeper statement than that, that every person was designed to exist in his glory for all of life. You were made for his glory. So here's what God's intentions are. You know, we're, we're accumulating a definition here. What does God want for all people? He wants to turn his face to every person so that they give attention back face to face. He will then fill them. He will not withhold his spirit. He'll fill them with his spirit that the knowledge of his presence would spread across the earth. Now, I want you to think back to this passage that we just opened with. Look back down at your Bibles, verse 19. I love this. This is the prayer of Paul. He says, I pray that you know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We'll read it one more time. I pray that you know this love that surpasses knowledge. <laughs> That's crazy. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays that you would know what is unknowable. There's something unknowable about God, and his prayer is that you would know it. There are some things about God that no idea could explain. There are some things about God that no time in study, no amount of time in commentaries or reading ancient Near East context 
or original language can reveal to you. There are some things about God that he means for you to discover, but only his face will reveal them. Only his presence will reveal. Only his glory will actually teach. So what is best for humans? What does God want for all humans? He wants face-to-face for every person that they would know his unknowable love. Now, there's a little bit of a problem because God actually, he attempted all this. Back in Exodus chapter 19, here's, here's what happens in Exodus 19. If you remember, the Israelites are coming out of Egypt, out of slavery, they're into the wilderness. It says this, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. You know the mountain, the one that Moses goes and he gets the Ten Commandments. He he receives vision for Israel from God. Then Moses went up to God. Watch what happens. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, Israel, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. You will be for me, everybody read this with me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So the Israelites get this identity. What is Israel? It's to be a kingdom of priests. Every person, a priest. Every person, face to face. Now, they're then, in the, in the rest of this chapter, they are, Israel is invited to come up the mountain to actually enjoy the intimacy that Moses has been enjoying. But something happens. There's a horn that is sounded. The time has come. All of Israel, come up the hill. But the Israelites become afraid, and it says that they don't go up. God's original intention was what? A kingdom of priests. And after this moment, all of Israel, out of fear, says, nope, you go up, Moses. We don't get a kingdom of priests. We get a kingdom with some priests a kingdom with only a select few who have that face-to-face with God. And the results of this are catastrophic for the people of God immediately. Right after this moment comes the golden calf. Right after it, golden calf. While Moses is speaking with God still, the Israelites make this idol out of gold. They make a golden calf with all of the plunder that they got from the Egyptians. They craft it all uh, into a golden calf. Now, here's what's interesting, and this is a warning for the people of God throughout all of time. Aaron, the head priest, he's the head priest of the people of God, and all the Israelites call this golden calf Elohim. They call the golden calf Elohim. Now, as many of you guys know, if you've been around St. Sil for the past year, Elohim is a title that is used for Yahweh sometimes, the God of Israel, uh, the first person of the Trinity, but it is also a title that is used for a false God. False gods are called Elohim. But they not only call this golden calf Elohim, Aaron also calls the golden calf Yahweh. Did you know that? Exodus 32, verse 4 says this, He took what they handed to him, and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, 
these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. This calf, this is who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. The word is translated from Yahweh for Lord. So Aaron sees this. They're in front of the calf. They're, they're like, this is the God who brought us up out of Egypt. And Aaron says, okay, we'll build an altar before the calf. And we will have a festival to the Lord. This is the sacred name of the one true God, Yahweh. It is never used anywhere in the Bible as a false God's name, except right here. Aaron and the people don't refer to this calf as Osiris or Baal or Molech or any other false God. They proclaim this is Yahweh, the one who delivered us out of Egypt. How could they be so errant? How could they be that wrong? Why don't they know who the true and living God is, as Moses knows? They saw his miracles. They followed his cloud and his pillar of fire. How could they get it wrong? The answer is not complex. They did not go up the hill to get what Moses got. They did not get face-to-face, and as a result, they were susceptible to being misled. You need face-to-face. Do not settle for anything less. In the retelling of the Exodus story in Deuteronomy, here's what the Israelites say to Moses when they're invited to see Yahweh. They say, go yourself and listen to what the Lord our God says. Then come tell us everything he tells you, and we'll listen and obey. There are many people, maybe even in this room, this is the way that you viewed church. You, pastor, go listen to God. Then you come and you tell me what he says and I'll do my best to listen and to obey. Because they didn't go to God themselves, they were susceptible to being misled. No face-to-face, no journey up the hill to his presence, and they personally didn't know him. Now, this problem, this is the first time you see it, but this problem becomes the problem for all of humanity. See, humanity is dying and broken because of sin, and only life in the presence will fix and will heal. And this is really the reason why our name is Saints Hill. This is the hill we're talking about. Because, let me tell you this, on this very same mountain, Thousands of years later, God comes down again and makes the greatest invitation to -to face-to-face living. With arms stretched open upon the cross, he makes it possible for anyone to become a saint, for anyone to become a priest, for anyone who wants it to walk up that hill and have that face-to-face knowledge of the glory of God. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, to the right in your Bibles, Hebrews 10. The problem for Israel at Sinai is solved with Jesus at Golgotha. When Jesus is crucified, 
the curtain that separated all of Israel from the most holy place, the, the, the presence of God, that curtain is torn from top to bottom. And the presence of God, his face becomes accessible through Jesus' body. Let's read. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, everybody say confidence, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, pay attention, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, everybody say draw near, to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. People who understand what the blood affords are full of joy and are bold. They get bold with God. Look down at verse 39. It says this, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. This is Exodus 19 language, guys. But to those who have faith and are saved. The place reserved for the high priest, the place of God's fullness, is now open through the body of Christ. And what I want you to see from this passage, and even from our Ephesians passage, we'll look at it in just a moment. What I want you to see is that God is looking for a specific response to him because of his blood. There is a proper response in your life to give to him because of his blood. Uh, Ephesians chapter three, I won't make you turn there. This is the passage that we've been in. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, notice this, and through faith in him, we may approach. It's Exodus 19. We may approach God with freedom and confidence. So let me just translate this for a second. His intent was that his manifold wisdom, what is his manifold wisdom? It means his complete wisdom would be exposed through the church to the rulers and authorities. Think demons, wayward Elohim, the accuser Satan. How? How is his manifold wisdom going to get exposed? How will they see his manifold wisdom? By creating a people who are bold with his blood. A people who approach him with freedom and confidence. His intent was that through faith, you would approach him with freedom, no fear. What do I have to be afraid of? And confidence, nothing can be held against me. The blood covers all. God's wisdom is exposed. His greatness is witnessed, not through a people who shrink and are timid, who are falsely humble throughout all of life, but through a church that believes that the blood on them means heaven now. 
It means access. The image of his complete and total wisdom is a people standing at the base of that mountain and with enthusiasm running up the hill. When you know the love that is unknowable, when you have experienced his glory, why does worship matter? Why does prayer matter? Why does hosting his presence matter? Because it's the one thing that will reveal his love adequately. When you understand it, you display God's wisdom that he would give himself his blood to meet face-to-face with me, to meet face-to-face with you. And this is what we're aiming to develop as a church. What does it mean to be a part of Saints Hill? It's very simple. You pioneer a path to his presence. You go up the hill yourself. You make the choice to know him personally. All of the 10 core values of our church, that, that our church is founded upon and the goal of Saints Hill from the beginning is to make you into somebody who can stand on their own two feet. Someone who has learned to steward their identity as a priest before Yahweh. Someone who's invited to be face to face. That's our aim. That's what we're trying to do. Saints Hill is not trying to be a well-oiled machine. There are many churches that are well-oiled machines that uh, probably will do more than we do, I, I would imagine, in ministry. But Saints Hill is designed to create in you a kingdom lifestyle. Our aim is not an organization or a church. It is a, the organization is a tool so that this valley would experience the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like waters cover the sea. We don't lead through specific ministries. Our, our pitch to you, what does it mean to be a part of Saints Hill, isn't that there's things that you should do here and we have this you know, class for you or anything like that. We lead through culture. And we have articulated our culture in our 10 core values book. If you don't have it, you need it. If this is gonna be home for you, you need it. You need to know what I'm trying to do to you, okay? So, so get the book and read through it. Uh, it's, it's why we're doing a, Saints, a New to Saints Hill book club. And, and, and uh, we're taking the next four weeks starting this Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our office. You can sign up in the lobby right after this gathering. It's why myself and Bria are gonna be walking you through each of the 10 core values and activating them in your life. They are kingdom values that describe the heavenly culture that God has sent us to plant in this place. When you make the choice to apply the blood all the way down, you're gonna get bold as a result. I can always tell when I'm believing a lie because I'm not living in hope. Any idea in me that doesn't inspire hope is rooted in a lie. And when you understand the blood and you begin to apply it all the way down, you're gonna become a pioneer. You know, there was a word, I promise you guys, I'm landing the plane. Uh, there was a word that was given the first year of our church that we were pioneers. And it made a lot of sense, you know, a new church plant. Of course, we're doing something new, we're pioneering. But this is a word that has uh, continued to mean something very important to us uh, as a people for the past five years. See, pioneers, they trod a new path so that other people can follow with more ease. Pioneers trod a new path that at times is difficult so that others can follow after you with ease. In other words, pioneers leave a legacy. And what I'm saying is make your legacy a legacy of giving God the face-to-face that his blood paid for. 
Make it your legacy. What does it mean to be a part of St. Hill? It means that you carry our shared pioneer heart. That you want to be a pioneer. You know, I said this last week. I said, look, if you don't like the job description, I will personally help you find another church in the area. I'm friendly with most of the other pastors. I'll help you find a church that has a job description that you can sign on to. What I'm saying is that if you're going to be a part of this church, you're going to become a pioneer. Or it's going to be very awkward. You're going to constantly be coming and sitting in the back and just kind of trying to like... Oh, sorry. You're going to be sitting in the back just kind of trying to like, you know, survive. And like, oh, my spouse wants me to be here. We're trying to make you into a pioneer. You know, Jesus said that, he said, freely you've received, now freely give. And what he was saying when he said that was, you're going to only give away whatever's inside of you. You cannot give away to other people, to children, to friends, to coworkers. You cannot give away what you don't already possess. So the best thing for your spouse, the best thing for your job, for your children, for your roommates, for your future is to go up that hill. To receive heaven, freely you've received, now freely give. To be filled with all knowledge of the love that surpasses knowledge. This is his intent and this is our vision. Let's stand. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.